My name is Bryce Kala, and I'm a dreamer. Both waking and sleeping, my rich and vivid imagination has been keeping life interesting since I was very little. So I'm going to share those dreams with you, and I'd love for you to share your dreams with me. Let's do this together in a little place that I like to call Somewhere in Dream World. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Somewhere in Dream World podcast, the podcast about all things dreams, waking and sleeping. And if you can come up with another version of dreaming, I'll talk about that, too. My name is Bryce Kala. I am your host, as usual, and my voice is still having troubles. Uh, you'd think that a month later it would have healed and you would be correct. It did heal and then it went away again. So by golly, I'm going to have to just watch how I'm using my throat because it's just it seems like I must be yelling too often. Uh, reminder, I'm your host. I'm not a doctor, but I do consider myself a doctor of coolology. I'm not a doctor of dreams, but coolology is my thing. And I think dreams are really cool. So that's why that's pretty much the closest you'll get to expert, I believe, except for, you know, <clears throat> the experts. Today's episode could have been brought to you by Octopodes. Yes, if you have more than one octopus, you are looking at Octopodes. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Bryce, isn't it octopuses or Bryce, isn't it octopi? And you know what? You would be correct. But if you thought it was octopodes, you would also be correct. Because language is weird. You see, in America, we put ES on the end of things when we want to pluralize them. But this word, well, there was a movement where they wanted to make words pluralized more like they are in Latin. Which is why octopi was a thing. But friends... Octopus is not a Latin word. It's Grecian in uh, etymological etymological background. Yes, and the Grecian way to pluralize it would be octopodes. So if you are looking for an eight-tentacled uh, being in the ocean and there is more than one, you are looking at octopodes. Not, not with a T. Octopodes with a D. Um, fun fact for you, before we get any further into the episode, uh, there was recently a video of an octopus sleeping and changing colors while it dreams, and I think that's really fascinating. I'm going to put that link in the description of this episode because you really just got to see it. It's clinging on the wall of a little aquarium and it's just changing color. And it's not like one of those things where it takes an hour to change color. I didn't even know that octopuses or octopi or octopodes, I didn't know that they could even change color in the first place. So I learned that. But it's not like a slow, gradual process. It's like immediate. Like in the course of about a minute of footage, this thing changes colors 
multiple times. And it's really fascinating because it's asleep the whole time. So the, the hypothesis is that it's dreaming about maybe catching like a crab or something. And it, it would, it would, it would make itself change colors, uh, to, uh, you know, when it catches food and it's eating the food, it doesn't want to be caught by other predators. So it masks the way that it looks while it's eating. And so this octopus was potentially dreaming about catching a crab. Maybe. I mean, obviously we can't ask it what it was dreaming about. And we don't really know if it was dreaming. But the hypothesis is that it was dreaming and that it changes colors while it's dreaming. And I just think that's really, really fascinating. In this episode, we've got some listener dreams, just a couple of them, and then a dream from yours truly, a very vivid one. Uh, so we've got some werewolves, we've got some clocks, and we got some carjackers. So we got to get into that. But first, the news. It wouldn't be the Somewhere in Dreamworld podcast if I didn't also mention Huge Theater. Huge Improv Theater is my home away from home. And this week, uh, November, it's currently November 12th if you're listening to this on release day. November 14th is Give to the Max Day here in Minnesota. And that is a day that we're all dedicated to uh, maybe uh, forking up a little extra cash to some of the nonprofits in the area and showing them our support, really giving them the support that they uh, that they need to keep in operation and of course huge theater being a wonderful wonderful love of my life um, or one of many loves I should say um, they are hosting the uh, the improvathon which is 28 straight hours of improv it's always a good time but even if you can't go to see it live in action on the 14th they are taking donations this is one of the only times all year round that they actually ask for money uh, i know we talked about the capital campaign a little bit but besides that um, they're a nonprofit organization that is running on, on ticket sales on classes and member donations and they don't really do much begging at all so uh, this is the one time a year to donate. So if you have a little extra cash to spend, maybe consider sending it Huge Theater's way. They do a lot of really great work in the community. On that, uh, there's another place that I'd like to speak about, and that is Playworks. Now, I'm a little biased because I work for Playworks. But Playworks is also a nonprofit organization that is also doing great things. We go to elementary schools and basically we believe in the power of play to bring out the best in every kid. So we teach classes on how to play certain playground games and work with the recess teams and the teachers to make sure that recess isn't forgotten, that we're not spending all day just looking at screens or, or listening to someone speak that we also make room for play and playground time and by doing that the kids are much more focused when they come back in to start learning again and it really has a positive impact so if you like the idea of that if you like how that sounds if you like the idea of a, prof a play professional if you will going to a school and helping your children become more focused on learning uh, through the power of play maybe consider donating to Playworks as well. They have a Give MN page, which I will also link in this description. So look out for that. Please give whatever you have 
uh, they're both really, really grand, uh, wonderful causes. So anything you can do would help. Last thing is last. I was going to say first things first, but it's the last thing. Last things last. There are three upcoming things you need to look out for in the music world, in the Midnight Notion world. On November 30th at the Caboose, I will be playing a solo show, uh, just me and my acoustic guitar. And since the rest of the night, uh, rest of the acts of that night are all going to be playing songs from 1994, I've chosen to play songs from Weezer's Blue album, their debut. And there's a bunch of hits on there that I just cannot wait to play. So come out and see that show. It's a short little acoustic bit for me, but the rest of the night is sure to be a good time as well. Uh, the second big show to look out for is December 13th. I've talked about it already, but the Holly Jolly Rock Show 2 is coming up quick. And I would love to see all of you there. It's going to be so much fun. Again, raising money for a local nonprofit. Um, I can't say enough about bringing music education into schools. So even if you can't attend, maybe consider giving some of your money to Vega Productions. They are also doing wonderful, wonderful things for the young ones who are someday going to be exceptional musicians. Maybe I'll share the stage with them someday. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, last things last. This is the real last things last. This is the last podcast of this year. Yes, because it's episode 20, I've decided, you know what? I'm going to take another short hiatus. I like this idea of 10 episodes and a break. 10 episodes and a break. So if you love the Somewhere in Dream World podcast, as I'm sure you do, um, please don't stop sending in your dreams. I love hearing your dreams and I'll save them up for the next time whenever it is that I return. I'm sure it'll be not too long, uh, but I like to take an indefinite hiatus uh, just to cool off a little bit, give myself some breathing room, and I'll come back stronger than ever next time whenever that is. So thank you so much to those of you who have followed through all 20 episodes. I look forward to 20 more. All right, enough chit chat. Let's go to sleep. All right. So a reminder to all of you that if you've got a dream of your own, you can submit it to podcast at midnightnotion.com or you can phone it in at 612-643-0944. The reason I think you should do that is not only to, uh, to share it with the world here on the podcast, but I believe that analyzing your dreams is the best way to understanding yourself. Uh, I think it's always important to self-analyze and, and think about what is going on in your own mind and help manage yourself uh, through the world, through every day, uh, the ups and downs that come through life. I think it's best that every emotion that comes through, you feel it fully and you move on. If you're happy, yay, be happy. If you're sad, oh, too bad, but you'll get it'll it'll get better, right? And you feel that emotion and you move on. Uh, sometimes a dream can really weigh you down, and that's okay. But I think that by analyzing it and talking about it and figuring out what that dreams that what that dream means to you, uh, you can make your waking life that much better. That's my belief. 
who knows if it's the right belief, but uh, here we are on a dream podcast. That's what we're going with. Uh, today, I promised you some listener dreams. There's a couple that have been sitting around for a long time. I've been waiting for the right episode, and heck, heck, oh heck, episode 20 is the one to do it. So this one comes from Michael. This one's sent in way back in 2018, so a little bit delayed on this one. But Michael says... Just had the most surreal experience, was dreaming about walking back to my place, though my home was in my parents' neighborhood, before going to work. In the dream, I had to pee, so as soon as I got home, I made a beeline straight to the bathroom. Knowing I might be a little late to work, I checked the clock in my bathroom. In true dream fashion, I couldn't quite read it, the first time I vividly remember not being able to see the time in the dream. The time was either 8.17 or 9.19 on the exact clock I have in my bathroom. That is when my body realized I actually have to pee, and it wakes me up. Now that I'm awake, the only clock I could see in my room would be my phone, but that fell to the ground in the middle of the night. I get out of bed and hastily stumble to the bathroom. There are no clocks between my room and the bathroom. As I reach the bathroom check the time to see if I should stay up or try for more sleep. The time on the clock was 8.17. So the same time that was in the dream. Very fascinating dream, Michael. Thank you so much for sending that in. I always find it fascinating. You know, the, the, the science behind not being able to read things in dreams. I feel like we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but your prefrontal cortex is off. Your logic station, the stuff that analyzes realistic things, it's just off. And so a lot of readable things become unreadable. The time, uh, uh, just words on the page, that stuff becomes very difficult to decipher in the dreaming world. So it's not a surprise at all that he couldn't recognize the time. But it is kind of a surprise that he did, in fact, pick out two very specific times, 8.17 and 9.19. I'm really curious to know whether those are times that mean something. Do you, uh, like, so for me, when I set my alarm, I'm kind of quirky. I don't ever set it for just 6 a.m. or 6.30 I send it for weird times like 6.03 or 6.27. I don't know why. It's just a quirk that I have. I sometimes hold the button and then just let go when it's close enough. So maybe that's part of it. But I'm curious if 8.17 or 9.19 are regular times, Michael, that you use in your life. Or if it's just random happenstance. It happened to be those times. I'm also intrigued by the fact that your body has its own internal clock that it just happened to know that that time was either coming up or that time was right now. Now, I've had a lot of dreams where, you know, in the dream, you perceive that you got to go to the bathroom and that's your body telling you in real life, yeah, it's time, it's time, it's time. And you wake up and you go to the restroom. Uh, I just think it's so fascinating that you happened to look at a clock in the waking world and it matched to the minute the same time as the clock in the dream world. Um, The only question, I guess, that I have in that moment 
is uh, the the fallacy, not the fallacy, but just the the fallible minds that we have as humans. Uh, reality is very relative, and memories are quirky, and stuff doesn't always happen the way we remembered it. I'm not accusing you of anything, but just hold, just just bear with me on this. I do know that I have, on multiple occasions. So many, like countless occasions, I've experienced deja vu. I'm sure we've all experienced it at some point where you're in a room and you say a thing and you look at an object and you go, wait a minute, I've been here before. Even though this is your first time in that room or your first, uh, you don't recall ever having this interaction, uh, it, it just seems like you've been there before. Right. There's a glitch in the matrix is what the nerds might say. Uh, I'm a nerd, so I would say that. But, you know, that experience of deja vu, feeling like you've been there before, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Right. I know that in my uh, morning routines, my brain is very foggy and I get up and I don't know where I am and. You know, you could see things that you recall because uh, so like I'm putting myself in the shoes of Michael in this instance. If I was to get out of bed and go to the bathroom, I would still be pretty foggy and not really certain I know what time I'm seeing on the clock. Uh, Raise your hand if you've ever looked at a clock for like three minutes and you still can't figure out what that thing says. It's been me. I'm raising my hand right now. I've done that so many times I can't even count. And so I could see myself looking at a clock going, whoa, 8.17. I feel like I just dreamed about that when in actuality I couldn't read it in the dream. I could see myself doing that. Again, Not accusing you of that, Michael, but I want to call to attention how ridiculous the human mind can be and how we can actually trick ourselves into memories that didn't exist. Uh, If you want to dive into that a little deeper, look up the Mandela effect. If you don't already know what the Mandela effect is, you can go down a wild rabbit hole of things that happened that didn't actually happen. It's bizarre. So again, not accusing you of that, just an interesting observation. Is it something that maybe in the morning, is it, is it possible you may have just misremembered the time in the dream? Um, if no, uh, wow, just wow. I know that there have been times where I've dreamt about things that, uh, came to be in waking life. So maybe your body just has an, an exceptional, uh, clock, a uh, uh, internal clock, and it just happened to know. Now, there's other things in the stream about uh, going through a neighborhood, and uh, your home was in your parents' neighborhood, not being in the same place. We've talked about that in previous episodes. So, if you haven't already come up with an idea of what you think that means, check out the more recent episodes. I think we even talked about it last month. So, um, you can find out more on that there. Regardless, what a conversation. I have so many more questions. I'd love to hear your responses. And if you at home are listening, uh, I'd love to hear your interpretation. Have you ever looked at a clock and it was the same time in the dream as it was in your waking world? Um, 
what do you think that means? Can you tell time? Do you have a good internal clock? Can you tell the future? Uh, who knows? Who knows? I think that there's several minutes between the wake up, the go to the bathroom, and the look at the clock. So you're obviously not dreaming at the same time as the clock is moving, I don't think. But I don't know. I'm not, again, I, so I told you at the beginning, I'm not a doctor. Uh, this is just my interpretation. Uh, 1,000 thanks to you, Michael, for sending in this dream. Apologies for how long it took to get to, but it certainly is a great conversation to have regardless. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. On to the next dream. This one comes from Sarah who wrote this to me back in March of this year. So uh, same year. I finally got one in the same year. Uh, but Sarah writes uh, the following. Uh, th this is actually an interaction that she had posted online, but she screen captured and sent the screen captures to me. So I'm going to read what she wrote uh, on something like Facebook or some, some uh, social media platform. And this is what uh, the screenshots say. The whole dream took place at night in some sort of urban dystopia. Most of the environment was gray or dull colors. The city was close to a river, but the river was the gray slash washed out color of unclean, turbulent water. I was running through the city, trying to stay hidden in shadowed and covered areas, like under bridges, close to buildings, etc. I met up with a group of four or five people. We were werewolves, but we shapeshifted into full wolves instead of anthro wolves. They either invited me to join their pack or welcomed me back. I can't remember which, but they had been waiting for me to show up. We were on the run from people, scientists or the military or government officials trying to kill or capture us for some reason. At some point earlier in the dream, I got a tattoo on the back of my lower neck slash upper back area that had to do with the number four and my sexual orientation. It was a swirly design. Anyway, back to the wolf pack business. So we were on the run. We ran through a hedge maze slash garden-like area down a steep vegetated hillside with large stone ledges slash steps and took a shortcut through some tunnels. Sewer tunnels, maybe? Underground tunnels of some sort. We came out in a basement of a building in an industrial area with concrete buildings and wire fences. I think it was some sort of safe haven for werewolves and or non other non-human humanoids because they seemed to treat us like we were normal and with familiarity. We stayed in human form in this area. It may have been considered poor protocol to transform, like we weren't supposed to do it there or something. There we met up with one of my friends. I took a walk away from the pack with him because I was going to initiate him into the pack with everyone's permission, and I wanted to talk with him about it. Then somehow the mate of our pack's leader was injured and dying. So the leader breathed what looked like silver slash green smoke into her. It turned out that he gave her his wolf essence and she came back to life. But in doing so, he lost his ability to transform. He seemed to think it was a fair trade and remained the leader of our pack. 
even though he wasn't a werewolf anymore. That's most of my dream. When I woke up from it, I wanted to go back to sleep so I could continue the dream because it was awesome. Um, and then she writes, okay, I've, so I've given it some thought and I'm pretty sure my dream was influenced in some part by David Bowie's Diamond Dogs. So now I have to admit, as, as the worst rock and roller in the history of rock and roll, I am not up to speed on my David Bowie. Yes, yes, I can hear the comments rolling in. I don't know Diamond Dogs, unfortunately. And I suppose I probably could have done some of that research for this episode. Uh, but alas, uh, I'm going to go into the dream without that knowledge. Now, the first thing that pops up, many of you might call back to my first episode where I talked about the wolf in the dream and wolves being kind of a thieving person in your life who is maybe doing some things behind your back that you're not super fond of or or someone you just don't think of very highly. Um, but I looked a little bit further and I found something interesting. There's one source, one book. And again, this is all just um, who, who knows of the validity of any of this. Uh, but there's one book that's got a specific calls to attention turning into a werewolf as a dream symbol, which is really fascinating to me. And uh, in reading this, let me just read you what this book says about turning into a werewolf. And you tell me if it reminds you of anything in the story that we just read in Sarah's dream. Turning into a werewolf indicates a desire to appear unconventional in order to raise your standing within a group in which you feel subdued and uncomfortable. Now, I think the moment that I read that line, after hearing the story and reading that line, my brain went, whoa, whoa, it exploded. Because if turning into a werewolf in a dream means you're trying to change your own appearance to fit in with another group, and in Sarah's dream, she and werewolf friends were kind of debating whether or not to turn into werewolves and there was this whole thing about can you can't you should you shouldn't you and can leaders be leaders if they aren't able to right and this whole hiding in the shadows and trying to get away from uh, danger I wonder Sarah what might potentially be happening in the people around you, in the groups you associate with, and the people you interact with on a daily basis, whether it's work or play or at home, is there anyone in your life that maybe you feel like you've been changing the way you you act, the way you are? Are you are you covering up the real you to try to uh, win over someone who maybe uh, isn't the best person to win over, or maybe they're a great person to win over? And you're just thinking about this process of running and hiding and having to cover up who you really are. Um, if that's the case, I give you my strong, strong recommendation to not cover it anymore. You're a great human being and you deserve all the love and respect for who you are as you are right now. And um, I, I sincerely apologize if there's anyone in your life who makes you feel like you're not worthy as you are, because you you certainly, certainly are. Um, if you don't have their admiration, you have mine. 
I'm here for you. I believe in you. And I hope that everything goes according to plan. I hope that you're no longer having, this was obviously months ago that you sent in the dream. So I hope you're no longer feeling like you have to dodge behind alleyways and sneak into groups that you can be who you really are. And whoever that group is who is making you feel unwelcome, um, that that they're welcoming you in or that they're maybe maybe you were finding that they're not worth being around at all. Whatever the case, if that if this interpretation of werewolves is uh, is true to your life, then there you go. I'm going to side with that interpretation. I think that's really intriguing. Who knows? It could be you just watched a movie or maybe David Bowie's song has or album has something directly in that that inspired it maybe you just saw a thing on tv who knows what it could be uh listeners i'd love to know what your interpretation is because at the end of the day this is all interpretation there's no real answer that we know of yet so if you have an answer i'd love to hear it leave a comment and uh and we'll talk further about this werewolf dream so thank you, thank you, thank you, Sarah. Much appreciated. This is always a wonderful conversation to have. Uh, so I appreciate you sending in your dream. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, for the third dream of this episode. Ooh, it looks like we got a long episode. I've got to tell you an epic one that I just had not too long ago, about two, three weeks ago. So here we go. The dream, uh, I'm going to summarize quickly to get to the meat of it. So it started with a lot of architectural stuff, which we've talked about is a recurring theme in my life. Lots of different rooms and areas, uh, uh, but there, there ended up being some sort of chase. People were after me for knowing something that I wasn't supposed to know. And the chase uh, ended up with me in the parking lot of what appeared to be a big mall or movie theater, a very well-lit parking lot. Um, but there were still some things that I could, uh, you know, I was being chased and I could still maneuver around. Instead of just straight dead sprinting, I was doing acrobatics, like kind of handsprings and cartwheels and flips and stuff. I was kind of zigzagging like a gazelle trying to get away from those who were chasing me. It was really only just one person. And this person stopped, recognized my athletics, which aside here for the listeners, I don't have those athletics. I can move pretty quickly for a short amount of time. But uh, dream me is much more acrobatic. So this person chasing me noticed all of these flips and spins and what and whatnot, and kind of stopped and went, you know, hey, we could use this. Maybe we could partner up together. I could stop chasing you. We could work together. You could use your acrobatics, you know, for whatever work that he does, you know. And so I stopped as well. We were pretty far apart from each other. So well, let's say we were maybe about 20 feet and I saw my car in the distance. So I thought as I walk towards him, if I kind of pretend like I'm going to side with him, I could maybe catch him off guard and make a dead sprint to the, my car and get out of here. Right. So I started walking towards him and then I noticed that my car was being jacked. Right, like it was literally jacked up from the bottom with like a, an actual jet and like not, somebody wasn't stealing the car, but they were stealing the wheels 
off of my car, the tires and the wheels, and but they were under it. So they were working under the car as it was jacked up. And so now I'm going like, okay, I'm being chased and now somebody's working on my car. So I said to this new friend who was formerly chasing me, uh, I kind of worked with him to go to the car thief and kind of sit on him in a way that when he finally notices that we notice him, uh, he would not be able to move. Uh, so we kind of, we sat that way. He, we kind of, um, I, I don't know how to explain it other than just, um, let's just say it was like a wrestling move or like a lock of a headlock of some sort, like a, uh, a bracing of his legs so that it was already too late for him to move anywhere else. But he was able to get his upper half of his body out from underneath the car. Whatever the case, he was able to sit up. We were able to make eye contact, but he was locked down under us so he couldn't escape. So I told the other person to call the police. Um, This other person, I guess, just vanished from the dream. Dreams are weird. They jump around. Uh, All of a sudden, it was just me talking to this person who was trying to steal my car. And so I ended up calling the police and having this conversation with the dispatch person about how this person was trying to steal stuff from my car. And I was also talking to the person, um, we'll say M, we'll name this person M. I recognized them from my real life as one person, but their name was a different person in my real life. So I guess I'm thinking about both of those people. Um, I don't see either of those people as car thieves, so um, they're 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 fine. They're not. Uh, the, I don't I don't see them as villains in my real life. That's just how dreams work. They just show up that way. Anyway, M. Uh, I, I had M so that uh, he couldn't move, uh, but he wasn't struggling. Like he wasn't upset. It was like he had accepted. Oh, I got caught. Right. So he was just uh, waiting. Right. And I was calling the dispatch. And uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, we ended up away from my car on a picnic table. And so we're on this picnic table. I'm talking to dispatch. M is being really patient about the whole thing. And some cop cars drove by, but they missed us. They didn't see us. And so then M started kind of pleading. And M pulled out a big wad of cash and said, here, take this. Just don't turn me in. And I said, no, 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 you were like, you were stealing. If you have this much money on you, you use that money to pay for new wheels. Like, you don't just take my wheel. It's not how things work. So you're still going to you're still going to get, you know, what's coming to you. This isn't right. And but he was being really kind and stuff. And so I found myself in this weird spot of like, well, he's accepting his fate. He knows what he was doing is wrong. Um, but at the same time, it was wrong and he should be reprimanded for it. But uh, as I woke up, I found myself thinking, well, what would you do in real life? You know, if you caught someone doing something wrong and they apologized for it and they showed you that they really meant their they, their apology was from the heart. They really meant it. They were really, really sorry. Would you talk them down? Is it enough to talk them down in the moment or should we still reprimand them? And I guess the uh, it, it depends on the severity of the crime, right? If they were just taking a gumball. Uh, versus, you know, stealing a car. 
you know, there's obviously a difference in severity, but even still, where do crimes become uh, uh, excusable because the person realizes what they've done? Um, at what point are they still a criminal versus someone who has made amends for what they've done? And I don't have an answer for that. I just wanted to share that dream and that interesting, um, I guess, thought experiment with all of you to see what you would say about this. Where is your line between someone who has done something wrong and needs to go to jail or have the police called on them versus someone who has clearly done that wrong thing, but has like, at what point have they paid for what they've done, right? At what point are they no longer guilty because they realized what they've done and they've learned uh, obviously, the idea of jail is uh, is really to be a correctional facility so that these people can uh, kind of learn. They spend time, they learn and they grow and they become better people for it. But can you skip all of that jail time and learn quickly? Some people learn quicker than others. So I guess that's my question to all of you. Can you learn from your mistakes quickly and skip the jail time? Or should every crime be punished um, in that sort of way? Let me know in the comments below. I just want to have a conversation. And of course, because this could veer political, I want you to keep it clean. Because, come on, we're all friends here. We're all friends here. It's just a thought experiment. So, those are the dreams for the episode. No waking dreams today, except that I hope that you all have a great, a great life, a great month, and a great time while I'm on my little hiatus. Uh, thank you so much to Michael and Sarah for submitting your dreams. Remember, you can submit your dreams too to podcast at midnightnotion.com or phone them in at 612-643-0944. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. 20 episodes in. This has been amazing. It's been amazing. Uh, I love talking about dreams with you, so more dreams to come in future episodes. But until that happens, please remember to sleep well, dream well, and be well. <laughs>